So I love music, but the only time I really listen to it is in the gym. It's kind of an incentive to get up and go. So now that I got this iPhone, all of a sudden in the middle of workouts, I hear this bing, and it's my phone telling me my volume's too high for the week. And sometimes this happens on Monday. So it's telling me, oh, if you keep listening to it like this, you could damage your hearing. And all I can think of is where were you like 15, 20 years ago when I had those old school MP3 players that didn't give a damn about your hearing. Like I could put that bad boy up. Oh, it was wonderful. I loved it. And that's why I'm going deaf. Trying to live life. It's been a crazy week, man. If you listen to my podcast, you know what's going on. If you haven't listened, I'll give you a real quick rundown. I lost my mom this week, man. Lost my mom Tuesday. I guess I should give you the actual day because you ain't no telling when you'll listen to this. But it was Tuesday. I want to say it was the 7th of March, 2022. Uh, long story short, man, uh, I guess more on how I'm feeling. I'm cool. It's a weird-ass feeling. You know, I, I would assume if you've ever lost a loved one, you, you know the, the awkward feelings of everything you do for a little while. That's kind of where I'm at. Everything is reminding me of her. Not in a way that breaks me. It's just in a way that reminds me of her. Her funeral is next Thursday. I'm trying to remember all the dates. I can't. It's a little bit of a haze on dates. I never was good with them. But it's next Thursday. So, uh, to be perfectly honest, I am not a fan. I don't want to go. Not because I don't necessarily want to honor my mom. I don't feel like that's what it is a, a funeral is one of those things one of those things that um i understand the function and the reason i just don't need those functions or reasons but it ain't all about me i got siblings i got um you know family that want to say goodbye and see the purpose of a funeral so and it's what my mom wanted so damn it i'm gonna do it i just i'm at a point where i don't want to see people hurt anymore you know like i don't know you know i could probably link up with a psychiatrist and they'll probably break that all down for me to tell me why i'm this way but this is through the different losses i've had in my life this is the person that i am i start to funnel my energy into making sure everybody else is okay and i'm all right with that i like that i like that being my function i I like that being my way of dealing especially in this case with my mom because i feel like that's how she was so yeah that's just where i'm at 
but I normally say I don't want to spend a lot of time on something, and then I end up spending like 20 minutes on it, but this is one of those times I'm actually going to stand by that, because I'm not sitting in my car driving home right now with my headphones on my head uh, to talk about just this loss in my life. I'm actually here to talk about uh, other things. And other to try to get back to my, I fucking hate this term. I hate it, but damn it, I think I hate it because it's so much of the perfect phrase for when shit goes all haywire and you're trying to get going again. But to my new normal, Ugh, makes my balls itch to say that. I hate, I hate, like, when COVID started, bro, all you heard was our new, you heard extraordinary times and our new normal. Keep in mind, they were saying new normal in fucking March of 2020. Now think about it. We are in March of 2022. And we still in this damn new normal. So, you know, kiss my ass with this new normal. But it, it fits in this situation. My new normal. It's a new normal. When you lose someone significant to you, you are now living a different life. It's just the way it is. So anyway, I'm here to talk about a couple of things. Stuff I've been watching. Like, I... I with my job, I work, like, at the worst freaking time that you could possibly work. Well, maybe not possibly work, but for me. Like, I, I work from 2 in the afternoon until 10.30 at night. So, I miss out on a lot of stuff. And I miss out on having the desire to watch a lot of stuff when I got free time. But I'm trying to change that. And one of the things that I went to see was the Batman. And damn. Oh, oh my damn. Bat the Batman. Gotta put the thief ahead of it. Cause it's the Batman. It's the movie. Like I, I will start up front by saying I am not a comic book head. I own comic books, but I literally own them just to collect them. And that's it. I've collected them um, uh since I was shit, like nine, eight or nine, and I haven't been, like, a thorough collector by any means, I'm one of those people, you tell me that DC or Marvel starting over a popular line, uh, back to first episode, uh, first issues, I'll try to get those first issues, because one day, maybe they'll be worth something, that's how I play the game, so I will never act like I'm some kind of big comic book head that knows, like, you know, every detail of everything. I'm more of a person that likes watching it in other forms of media. I like to watch the superhero shows on the CW, even though I've completely fallen off of those. I love watching the movies. I love when, uh, you know, they make it to the movies. Uh, That's my favorite way of experiencing superheroes and comic book heroes and villains and all that goodness. So, with the Batman, I knew, you know, bits and pieces of Batman lore. Like, I I know that Batman is uh, 
a de- super detective, the world's greatest detective. He's supposed to be like the strongest man and stuff like that. And I guess I'll kind of start there because that's the lowest hanging fruit for some. When they said that Robert Pattinson was playing Batman, a lot of people hated it because they're like, oh, that's the Twilight sparkly vampire cat. That was never my deal. I never had a problem with that. My biggest beef with them hiring Robert Pattinson was he's one of those dudes that are like the super artistic types. Like he he's music he's musically gifted. He's you know acting gifted since you know he was a little kid. He's artsy fartsy basically. So I, I knew he wasn't a guy that was like, oh man, I want to stay on and play Batman and Batman until I'm too old and they go, you know, tell me to to leave. He's not going to be that guy. So I, I knew going in, he's going to be three movies, if we're lucky, and gone. And we're back to square one, where they'll start over, and they'll show Batman's parents getting shot again. That was my beef. But other folks was like, oh, that's the small, you know, sparkly vampire. And he's not sparkling in this movie, and I think he's awesome in this movie, but he does not at any time look like he could be the most physically gifted and and powerful human being on Earth. Not even like, like, I don't even think he would place in a strongman competition. I don't even think he would qualify for a strongman competition, maybe on some kind of like regional level where there's not very many people there to compete against and he knows the people that are running the event and and now he'd have to be sleeping with him. Like, basically, I'm saying, my man's small. He's a small guy. He's not big. But that's okay because the beauty of this movie, one of the beauties, because that's a sexy motherfucker. Look, to quote Chris Rock, Sort of. If this movie was a woman, it would be a big-tittied woman. Because this movie, man. But the beauty of it is he's young. He's young. This is a movie that doesn't pretend like Batman, this, this story we're watching is set in the 40s or 50s or 60s or wherever. This is 2022. Batman. Like, 2021, Batman. Like, this is... And that's cool, because that makes him my age. That makes him a guy that lost his parents in the 2000s. There was cell phones when his parents got shot. And that's that's a whole new way of looking at it. Because the one, you know, I grew up with was Batman in 89, and there weren't no cell phones in 89, and they never told you what time you were looking you, were, you know, what time frame this movie was happening in. It looked like it was the freaking Stone Ages sometimes because it was just those weird architecture and stuff. But with this one, they made Gotham look like New York to the point of which Madison Square Garden was actually called uh, Gotham Square Garden. Like, this was New York. And they really didn't try to hide it. And it was always, in our minds, we always thought, man, Gotham got to be in New York, just the way it looked. And this one, it's still Gotham, but it's New York. 
So that was cool. But with him being young, his gadgets were in the primitive stages for him, but they were fucking awesome. Like he had uh, contact lenses that he wore that um, were cameras, like streaming cameras, cameras where he streamed back to the Batcave and he would be able to keep everything he saw. So one of the big things about him is he walked really slow. Like, I mean, sometimes you watch that shit and you almost wanted to bust out laughing because he just walked slow. Like, I'm a slow-walking cat. I walk so slow. Like, it's it's sad. Like, toddlers with tiny legs walk significantly faster than me. And it's some embarrassing shit. But I can outwalk this Batman. It might not even have to power walk. I This Batman walks so slow. But it's effective because he operates off of fear. And that's something that has been a big part of Batman lore, you know, from the giddy up, really, at least as far as I'm concerned. And I'm going by movies, you know, from the first movie, it was shadows and coming out of nowhere and hanging cats off of the side of buildings and stuff. This Batman was the same way, but he didn't have to do all of that. His whole thing was. I'm scaring your ass, and I ain't even in the room. All they got to do is shine the back. Because we come in on it in year two. This ain't year one. It's year two. He's been out here. The police hate him. He's created a relationship with Gordon. So he's a tool for Gordon, who's not commissioner yet. And he's he's his tool. They have a rapport. They have an understanding. We haven't seen it yet. Or we didn't see how they even got to any kind of point of bonding. And that's cool. So, but we see that he's being used. He has a purpose. And that purpose is to scare the shit out of anybody that does a crime. You do a crime, they know a crime is happening. It's dark. So, hell, let's shine the light. So, every time a criminal does something, they're looking around. Sometimes he's there. Sometimes he's not. When we finally get to see him do his thing, you just hear feet. You see darkness, and you hear feet. And that is cool. I mean, and again, you're listening to, like, steps. And there's a lot of steps before you see him because he walked so damn slow. But it was awesome because what he's doing is every person he looks at, he's tapped into the database, Right? I guess Gotham PD's database. So every face has a name. So he's finding out something about each person. If you've ever played a game called Cyberpunk 2077, there's a scanning thing you can do, and it's this exact way. It looks just like it. You see a face. It tells you who the person is and little information about them. It's very video games for Batman. And, it, and it's cool as hell. So... He finally gets to tussling, and when he tussling, he beating the shit. It's like, that's part of the, the, the young, he's a young dude that saw his parents get killed, and it affected him to the point to where he's like, I just want to go fight every fucking body. And he acts that way. He has training. We don't know who trained him. We can assume as the movie goes on, maybe it was Alfred. Or actually, pretty sure it was Alfred to some degree. Alfred told Alfred says something about I taught you how to fight or I wish I hadn't taught you how to fight, you know, and 
Alfred taught him how to beat the piss out of people because he was whooping dudes' ass. And sometimes, like, he'll get pissed off and just say, fuck it, I'm just going to beat the shit out of this one guy. And he does it a couple of times in the movie. First time's really early. And the second time, I believe he does it, is at the very end, and it has a significant um, uh, role in his life. But he's, like, he's emotional. He tries to keep it together, but his default is angry. And you see it. Like, he's very emo-ish, which people like to make fun of in the trailers and stuff, but it played very well in this movie, and it makes sense. He lost his childhood at that time when emo was the thing, you know? And I, I don't know if that was the the idea behind it, or they just said, look, he should be emo. He watched his parents get gunned down. But he was... In my mind, in my little ad, adding to the story in my own head, is he lost his childhood at that time when emo was a thing. So that's his, you know, that's his launching point. His understanding of angry came at the time when folks, you know, was emo when they <laughs> they dressed emo and acted emo. He doesn't go that far. He wears suits and stuff sometimes. But he's Batman 95% of his life. And if he's in Bruce Wayne mode, he's only in it so he can still get into uh, areas that he wouldn't have been able to get into dressed up like Batman. Like, that's the cool part about it. He's so psychologically locked into being Batman that he doesn't even want to be Bruce Wayne. And that's a cool aspect of it. He's not, he never went around trying to act like the rich kid. He pretty much like, fuck the money. I don't want the money. And everybody else was looking at him like, you grew up with all this money. Your life should be good. And he's like, you know, he don't say nothing because he don't really say much. Like Alfred talks to him and he talks to Alfred like the angry kind of spoiled kid. And he's quick to remind Alfred that he's not his father. And, you know, but Alfred is his heart, you know, and you find that out later when Alfred gets down there blown the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's so much, man. Like, this is only a piece of it, but it's not really a review. I'm just talking about it. So, you know what? I'm calling an audible. 15, no shit, 17 minutes into this trying to keep it at 20 minute podcast. I'm changing it. I'm only talking about Batman. So you're getting about three more minutes of Batman, and then I'm getting the hell up out of here because I'm pulling up to my house. But anyway, Riddler is the main villain. Oh, spoilers. If you don't know, if you haven't watched it yet, and you plan on watching it, and you care, you done fucked up because it's been out for a minute. But I'm going to spoil it a little bit. But you should know this because, you know, they put it on everything. Riddler is the main villain. He ain't the only villain, but Riddler's the main villain. And here's another beauty of it. The Riddler is fucking terrifying. Terrifying. If you've seen any, I'm sure they showed him in some trailers, because they show everything in trailers. But he's scary. He's got this mask on. He's He talks really scary. Sounds like he can't breathe. He's like heavy set looking, you know. He's got the jacket on. He's just a scary-looking cat. And he plays it very scary in this movie. Like, he's stealthy, just like Batman at times. 
you just see him like out of nowhere. Here's the Riddler, and he's like nuts. So he's beating people up with hammers and just all kind of stuff, man. He's just a a, a whacked out psycho, right? And um, you go through the film seeing him this way, and then you get to the point in the film where it's three hours, but you feel like you're at the end of the movie at one point. It feels like it's wrapping up, and the riddles have been solved, and they go to a cafe, which they shown in the trailer, and there's the Riddler, just sitting there drinking a coffee. And it's this tiny, scrawny, bitch-made looking dude, just sitting at this at this counter, and you're like, because in the back of your mind, you know how the Riddler's looked in every form of media they've shown, you know, whether it was the comics or the video games or the other movies with Jim Carrey in it or the old 60s TV show. It's always a small beanpole cat, and it's no different in this movie. But even after you see him as this small beanpole cat, he's so nuts that he's still intimidating. He's still scary because he's smart as hell. And you're led to believe, and Batman is led to believe that he knows who he is. And you're going into it thinking he knows who he is. And by the time it's over, you're thinking he don't know who he is, but maybe he does. And it causes a whole bunch of mayhem and a whole bunch of scare. Like, there's even, they even delve into um, uh, mass shootings, which I thought was fucking ballsy. And it was scary. It just added... It just added to this fear, man. Like, Batman is supposed to embody fear to the criminals. The Riddler, to me, embodied fear in the audience. I mean, like, me or you that's sitting in a movie theater. Because there was the, you know, out of the, out there, this is a comic book come to life feeling and world. But at the same time, it was very familiar, man. Like, he was on, he did all his stuff over social media. Like, he recorded them live. He live feed. They didn't have Facebook on there, but you were meant to look at it and see it. Like, if somebody was streaming a, you know, Facebook Live or Instagram Live type of thing. He's showing this to the world through here. But you find out later, he has a private uh, group online and there's folks that are these are all fans of his people that are following his lead and you've seen some of these people earlier in the film you just didn't know it and these are people who are just regular ass people that have lost it due to all the crap that's going on in in gotham and the ties to Bruce Wayne and, the, and Thomas Wayne. You find out that Thomas Wayne isn't the guy that you've always been made to think he was in all the other movies and every other form of media. He's this guy, this flawed guy. He's a politician in this movie. And, and it's it it's, has a lot of repercussions to Bruce and how and his motivations, you know, and, and just how... This, the city views uh, 
everyone in power in this in Gotham. And you're seeing that in this group, there are people that are that are following his lead. And it, it, he gets to a point where he's made a martyr because now he's arrested. The Riddler is and he's made a martyr. And all these folks now are doing his bidding. And it creates a mass shooting type of scenario that's unraveling. And that makes for a very jarring thing. And they went there. And, and it was done well. It was like there was a mass shooter that got egged on by 4chan online. And this is real life. And it mirrored that a lot. And, and it's because they're telling them. They're telling each other where to get the same stuff that the Riddler has and where a certain type of the right type of gun to use. And they're not you're seeing that in the chat window as they're listening to the live. You know, you got the the people chatting while they're watching the live stream. That's how that's going down. So it's very realistic. And dude, it's just so much, man. I might do a part two because I'm going four minutes over what I said I was going to. But damn it, it's my podcast. And I'm feeling good talking about something else that ain't sad. Uh, This movie is awesome. There's so much more to it. Freaking Catwoman is everything you kind of want in a Catwoman. It's got the mob stories in it. It's got Batman just being a great detective. Not just solving riddles, but also like piecing together crime scenes. Because you see that. You, the the rapport between Gordon and Batman is just perfect, man. Like I'm not saying comic perfect because I haven't read the comics. I just mean in what Gordon's role is and what Batman's connection to Gordon is. It's it's just very well done. Like it, it's it, it, I just it can't words can't do this movie justice because it's a three hour film and there's so much it's just it's a world it's not like here's one thing and then everything's okay in the end hell no it is a living breathing world batman can only do so much in this world it's not like one villain comes in does one thing and the rest of the the crime in the in the in gotham stops shit's happening it's constantly happening there's it's it's a whole nother threat that's just laying in wait, like the penguin, you know. And it's more than that. There's a, there's a, I, I guess you can call it a cameo, and it's who you think it is. Fuck it, I said it'd be spoiler. Spoiler: the Joker is in it. Now he ain't doing anything but laughing, but it lets you know that this is a world that's already started. We coming in, we coming in late in the game from Batman's first year. So he's already tussled with the Joker. He's already bested the Joker. And the Joker's in Arkham. And you've got um, the Riddler in there that's now having conversations with the Joker. So you got two nut jobs talking to each other, which should make, if you are, even if you are a man, it should make you moist. If you are a fan of these Batman things, you are moist. You're sitting in your seat like you're watching Fifty Shades of Grey, just moist. Because nobody's dead, so everyone can come around. You see all these threats. There's at least four threats that are right in front of you by the time the movie ends. And then there's probably people I didn't even know 
were future threats and situations and scenarios that are future threats that I don't know about because I'm not a comic head. So, I, it, it, dude, it's like I said, if it's a woman, it's a big titted woman. It's a, oh, man. Man. If you listen to my other podcasts, I'm talking, when I talked about Jennifer Lopez, this is prime Jennifer Lopez right here, man. This is, this is waiting for tonight. If you had my love, you know, J-Lo, this is, this is J-Lo, man, the movie was over and I'm sitting there and I look over at my wife. And she's just looking at me like, hey, you liked that, didn't you? You enjoyed that. I was like, man. I, man. All I can do is just sit there at all. Had tears in my eyes. Not because it was heartbreaking. Because it was just thoroughly enjoyable. It was just, I couldn't have asked for anything better. I couldn't look at this flick and say, you know what? It would have been better if they blank. Hell no. Nah. The only thing that they could have done better was make that bitch six hours. Because I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. If you're not understanding what I'm saying to you, I loved it. It was a great film. I cannot wait for the next one. I am going to go back and watch it probably this weekend. I want to see it at IMAX if it's still out there in that format. Oh, man. It, I haven't felt like that at the end of a movie, maybe ever. But the only thing that came close would probably be either Endgame, Avengers Endgame, when they all come back. You know, through the portal or whatever. Maybe the last Spider-Man that just came out when when the two new Spider-Man come out of the... Because that's a great movie, too. When they come out of the portals and you didn't expect it to happen when it happened. Oh, just... It's a good time to be... You know what? I'm going to say this, bro. I'm going to say this shit. I know it's a potential war going on. Gas prices are high as a bitch. My mama's gone. My dad's gone a year and a week. In about a week. Um, it's a good fucking time to be alive. I'm going to say it. It's a good time to be alive. There's so much shit out here, good and bad. But it's out here. Shit's going to happen that you can't control, but it's some good shit out here that you can't control. There's some good shit. And Batman, Spider-Man, movies, music, all that jazz is out here right now let's enjoy it um that's a good way to end this bitch 30 minute podcast if you don't like it i got two words for you see ya